Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. Tonight I've got a good friend and a coaching colleague on the on the line. I've got Dale Ryan. G'day, Dale. How are you, mate? Good, Ant. How are you, mate? I'm um, well. And uh, thanks for taking the time out to join the podcast tonight. It's it's great to catch up with you again. Really, I'm really keen to find out what you've been up to overseas and also talk a little bit about your basketball journey to date and where you've been not only in Brisbane and Melbourne as well. And uh, I reckon it's going to be a, a great chat. So, yeah, thanks again for making the time. Look, appreciate the opportunity. And, and, and likewise, it's, it's, it's great to, to, to connect and being a little bit further away at the current moment from, from Australia and from Australian basketball and, and good people like yourself. It's nice to reconnect and uh, share a little bit of uh, what's happening. Yeah, great. So uh, Dale's my, the first of my uh, interviews with Aussie coaches overseas. And um, I think I'm going to have a few people in this category. So one of the first questions I start off with, mate, is um, when did you become involved in basketball? And, you know, was it a family thing? Did you have other family members playing? And, and how did it all get started for you? Yeah, I suppose it, it dates back uh, to, to, to a long, long lost time and uh, was, was quite young to the in, in being introduced to the game, probably eight or nine years of age. Grew up in a small country town on the outskirts of Melbourne football, cricket and the traditional sports uh, were a big part of my life but but through my dad playing socially uh, and, and a friend of uh, his at the time who became a, a long-time family friend and, friend and continues to be to the day, uh, Doug Traher, uh, father of Aaron Traher, um, was good friends and played with my dad and from there uh, got, me, got me into basketball at a at domestic club level and, and so the journey began. So uh, the best part of now. 35 years, the best part of in, involved in the game. Yeah, and and your brother played as well, like other other brothers or sisters played as well? Yeah, so uh, there's three boys uh, between us. I'm the oldest of three. Um, m- a lot of people know two, two of us and, and don't put connect all three of us together. So, so sometimes it's they... they they know myself and my middle brother, Craig, or they might know me and Damien, but they can't. They generally don't connect all three of us. So myself... Uh, my middle brother Craig and and, and my younger, more uh, noted brother, and then the <laughs> basketball scenes. Damien is uh, with, with the three Ryan boys, and uh, I've all had levels of involvement in the game uh, across many years, and and continue to this day to be involved in the game. Yeah, nice. Was was it one of those situations where you know you got out in the backyard and and bit of one on one, two on one, that sort of thing. Oh, there was all sorts of things. There was one on one on ones. There was one on one on nothings, and two one against two, and and big brother against two little brothers, and then uh, little brothers becoming bigger than big brother, and all of those sorts of things over the years. So now some great battles, uh, both on the basketball, the football, and the, and the cricket side of things. But uh, yeah, the basketball definitely dominated the uh, the backyard battles over the years. <laughs> what were some of those uh, house rules, you know, like uh, that sometimes you just made up on the spot just to add a bit extra challenge for your brothers? Oh, look, it might have been that there was no rules or you made up the rules <laughs> to, to, to suit yourself, the time, the day, the weather. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, – we, we, we created lots of things to, and we were creative. We, 
you look at the kids today and, and, and everything set out for them and played out for them. And I think the great thing we had is we, we learned to, to adjust to our environments and we often played outdoors and we often didn't always have the best equipment. And maybe the ring wasn't hanging as well as it should and uh, the like. So, yeah, the, the, the rules were creative, but, but always at, at the heart of it was a competitiveness, a love of the game and a, and, and a consistent uh, involvement in it. Um, it was a big part of our lives. And, and as I said, uh, it's something I look back and, and, and very much cherish. I've got the same situation. I had older brothers who, who wanted to beat up on me when I was younger, but once I got a bit taller, it, it, I sort of evened it up a little bit. Um, oh, no doubt. I think it, it, it probably contributed a large part to the successes that my youngest brother had was just the getting the beat down uh, from a young age and the resilience and the, the desire to, to win and compete and to do it against the odds that uh, that ultimately led him to the success that he enjoyed. Yeah, nice. Growing up in that Victorian system, you you were a uh, Victorian junior player, then played in the, the Victorian State League too when you got a bit older. Who began to uh, influence you, like in terms of your basketball, like as a player, but then also as a coach when you became older? Yeah, look, I've had the question asked and on, on a few different occasions, uh, be it an interview or applying for jobs and you know, my philosophy around the game and, and coaching. And, and for me, I mean, it did start going back to, to the person who first introduced me and was a, a, a big influence in my initial years was, was Doug Traher, uh, Aaron's uh, Traher's dad that many people would know. And, and Doug was probably ahead of his time, had, had a great base of knowledge to the game and he, he taught me about you know, the passion for the game, the commitment to the game, the, the work that needed to be done to succeed. I was then really fortunate during my junior careers to be, be, be coached by some absolute legends, you know, uh, at an under-12 representative level uh, by Ken Watson, who's oh, wow. identified and, and recognised as probably the forefather, the, the godfather of the game here in this country and uh, can, can talk personally of the the experiences of the coins on the court with chalk uh, marked out on the court and going through shuffles and, and various offensive sets. Um, and, and Ken, you know, taught us about, uh, again, that love of the game and and, and discipline and uh, enjoyment of the game and, and a little bit of the competitive side to it. And then later on, uh, again, very fortunate to, to have some, you know, the likes of Ian Stacker from a, from a state level, Mike McHugh, in some of the first ITC programs that were established in the country. And then, um, uh, yeah, a young American uh, who at an under-18 level playing with the Melbourne Tigers, is this American came by and started just helping us out, working with us and stuff. And, uh, and now coaches, you know, there's the Philadelphia 76ers. So Brett, Brett Brown was a big influence for me through my later years in junior basketball and then through some opportunities that presented to, to, to play under him. Uh, as a development player uh, with the North Melbourne Giants in in the NBL for for a brief period, uh, so they're, they're you know, three or four people over the course of time that have um, had big influences at the beginning, and then in more recent times, um, you know, uh, in looking for mentors and the opportunities that are presented to me and the people that I've crossed paths with. I mean, Jerry Wright's played a big part in my my professional development and giving me the opportunities that that. Um, at a very young age, as a professional, or young professional, aspiring coach, uh, Rob Scheibner, uh, giving them a first uh, opportunity at a, um, a state league level again at a, at a very young age, and giving me the 
opportunity to, 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 to be part of something that, that was probably uncommon for someone my age. And then in more recent times, you know, all the coaches that I get the opportunity to share information with, uh, be it here in Australia, my experiences and times over in, uh, in Europe and to this point now in Spain uh, have all helped and contributed to, to my knowledge base, to my continued love of the game and, and my continued desire to get better. Yeah, no, I mean, just some of the names that you rattled off there were just, you know, like you say, legends of the game, just pioneers in the sport who obviously shaped uh, the way the game was played back then and, and, and even now, you know, like in terms of uh, the style of play that we talk about and, and that sort of thing. So, it, you know, like as a, uh, as a coach today, like do you, are there some things that you can sort of point to that you've sort of um, learned early and, and, and still reinforces like good grounding? I think Ken taught me the, the value of, of being skilled and having skill sets Brett Brown reinforced that with the, the, the time we spent and the, the attention to detail around being a better player. And you, you hear him talk even more now. And I think he, the Spurs, the, 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 that big influence around play development, even at the professional levels. Um, and then the throughout all of my time, I've played in errors and in programs and, and, and under coaches that have valued the, the team aspect of the game. And while the game is chopped and changed, and, and and we live in an era now where it is very could be deemed or could be seen very individualised. I, I know I enjoy my time now in Europe, where there's still that that essence of team play, of sharing the ball, of finding the player in a better position. Um, but I think the, the key for me is the skills. You've got to have the skills. I, I think sometimes that gets lost uh, in the game, and, and it, but it's still the the grounding, the foundation by which the the better teams win. They have better players who are better skilled at the end of the day. Yeah, that's probably one of the things I, I really wanted to get some more from you on is like having had that opportunity to spend time and, and be around uh, European and, and now Spanish coaches. Like what, what are the main differences in that style of play that you see? And is that, I guess, more evident on an individual basis or is it more of a, like a, I guess, across the board team type approach and structure that, that's put in the place? Uh, how do you see that? I think before I talk about the differences, I think that it's important to recognize the similarities. And I think we yep. we here in Australia have taken a uh, over the course of time, our style of play and our focuses have been driven by the European game and a recognition that we have very similar athletes. Um, we have very similar types of uh, uh, mentally equipped players and I think that we have maybe veered away a little bit from, from the American style that's very much reliant on, on great athletes. And there's elements of that that we do have in the game here in Australia, but on the greater broad spectrum of, of development and player development, team development, that move towards the European game, I think is being better suited. So I think there's some, some real similarities about how we go about things now and what's done uh, in Europe. Specifically in Spain, I think for me that, Two things that really stick out for me is still the greater amount of freedom players are given and, and a little bit more I just sense across all levels of the game that I've seen the coaching and, and been very fortunate to see it on a regular basis and on a uh, over an extended period of time where I just constantly see the coaches allowing players to express themselves 
allowing them to make mistakes and, and, and rewarding them for that and encouraging them still. And it's not seen as a, as a detrimental thing, even though in the immediate point, it, it might be a turnover, it might lose a game, it, it might cause a, a change or a swing in the, um, the momentum of the game. But they keep encouraging the kids to, to be expressive, to, to try things, to experiment, to find their place, to find their skill set, to find their strengths. And I think that's something we in Australia could could do more of I think just continuing to 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 be willing to to allow kids that uh, that opportunity to um, make more mistakes to, to 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 experiment a little bit more and I think uh, the second thing that that sort of complements that is that in in Spain there's there's a program and a pathway that's uh, very defined most of it's geared around club club structures and the kids Generally, once they're sort of on the pathway process and they've been identified within a club, the majority of, of what's presented to them is within that one setting and they're not expected to sort of play across, say, for here in Australia, you know, a club and then a school and then a high-performance program and an individual coach and a state team, maybe a national program. In, in Europe, it's very much the club is the centre and the focus of the player's development. Yep. Um, there's there's a uniformity from from the base levels all the way through potentially even to a senior level because you have all components of that in in many of the clubs, and that yep they'll they'll go and play regional or or a national team um, uh, environments like they do here in Australia, but the, the the crux of their work is is done, and so with that there's some consistency about knowing where the player's at, knowing what the player's expected to do and I think that makes learning easier I think it makes assessment easier and I think it, it enables the, the player to, to mature more efficiently and and to, to broaden their their abilities because of the the program that that they uh, that they're in it's all makes sense doesn't it like um and, and I guess it just takes a uh, a different perspective to to see some of that stuff doesn't it look it does and and and, and on the flip side of it it's uh something that that's born out of the evolution of the game i think in europe the focus of the game in europe and it is very it is very pathway driven yeah. when you compare it to australia there is not the participation so it's not to take away from what we do here we do a great job in a sport that's very uh base orientated participation orientated because that drives a lot of the the income and a lot of the revenue that enables us to deliver the programs further along the line wherein in Europe often it's not always the case you see elements in, in, in the lesser the lesser economic countries where it's not always the case but there is generally a an AFL approach in terms of the, it's money sort of driven from the top down yep. and there's the ability to form these programs to form these pathways to allow the time to allow the uh, contact period that coaches and programs have with their players and, and less distractions around that mm. on the back of they can provide everything in the one place and they can provide everything in terms of facilities, quality coaching, paid coaching, uh, paid overseas, uh, overseas that, 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 that drive the programs. 
And then that filters, yeah, as I said, right through from the time they step on the floor, which can be as young as three or four years of age in some of these clubs, right through to them playing and representing their, their club at a, at, a, at a professional level in Europe in some of the best leagues in, in the world. Yeah. So the role that you have now with uh, Valencia Basketball Club, could you maybe just explain, like, how did that come about and what your role is there? Uh, th- three years ago, I was fortunate to... Uh, to, 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 to gain a role uh, in Europe, uh, working in the UK, uh, working with a club um, owned by a university. It was a franchise in the British Basketball League. Um, through that role, and I was, I was a director of basketball. And in, in Europe, there's a, a slightly different sort of infrastructure and structure around the game. And, and sort of the director of basketball or the sports director, as it's, it's often termed in a lot of the European clubs, is sort of a a basketball GM, a director of coaching, and, and sometimes even a hands-on coach uh, that, that oversees all of the program, uh, both uh, administratively and, and, and also from a coaching perspective. So during my, my time there, the, the, the program had a connection with the Valencia Club. Uh, we delivered a, uh, a residential camp uh, that was used to bring Spanish players over to the United Kingdom for the purpose of basketball development, but also cultural and language uh, development. And through that uh, experience of that project, uh, and then also the opportunities that I had to go and visit uh, the club through the, the, the relationship that we had uh, through my role with, uh, with the Worcester Wolves Club in, in, the, in the British League. Um, we just found some, some common connections around the game and some common thoughts. And the club very much a time and place, which I think is a big part of, of opportunities in basketball. Mm. Uh, the club had just uh, completed a $40 million euro um, facility build. So they have a state-of-the-art uh, nine-court training facility. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, that's world-class and it, it is quite, quite phenomenal. And that's not the normal setup in Europe. Uh, often it's they'll have a main stadium and then maybe one or two training courts. And the... So through the discussions that we had, uh, we made the decision uh, through through my company, Assist Basketball, to, to make the move to Spain to partner with the club uh, on a number of projects around player and coach development yep. and taking the European and, and specifically the Valencia Basket approach to, to coach and player development to a global level uh, on the back of the club with this facility with their move into the higher brackets of both male and female competition uh, at EuroLeague and EuroCup level and the desire for the club to, to give back to the basketball community to the extent of a global level and, and utilise my network uh, across Australasia and even into to, uh, parts of Europe and in the United States. So it's very much in its infancy, but yeah. essentially a partnership uh, working together to, uh, for, for mutual uh, aim and, and benefit to, to spread the word uh, of the European style and the Valencia brand uh, to the basketball community in the world. Yeah, nice. Is the Valencia club like primarily a soccer or football club and then they branch out and do other things? It's, a, a, again, a unique situation where it is, it is the club and the way the club is structured is, is, is independent. Uh, as a basketball club, uh, it's a very young club. It was it was developed, uh, established in its current format in, in 1986. Um, so we're looking at a club that's uh, only just recently uh, celebrated its 30 year uh, anniversary in its current format. 
And the what they're very fortunate to have is, is an owner uh, who's very passionate about the game, is very passionate about the Valencia community, uh, and he also happens to be uh, quite a wealthy man who uh, loves the game of basketball. So Juan Roig, who is the owner of the Mercadona brand, which is the equivalent of probably a Coles or Woolworths uh, in right. Spain, yep. uh, is the owner of the club uh, and invests quite heavily into the uh, into the club and, and not in a commercial way. He does this through his foundation. Um, if you look at the club, they don't have a naming rights sponsor. They're not sponsored by the Mercadona brand. His, his wealth has been generated through things and he is through his foundation supported not only the professional team, but also the junior academy underpinning it and the facilities that have been built and the facilities that will be built um, in the next two years, which will be an 18,000 seat um, entertainment centre that will be solely um, primary purpose for the, for the basketball program, but also for the um, for the community in, in, in garnering uh, rock concerts and, and other events to the Valencia area. So very different to say a, a Real Madrid and a, an, F, an FC Barcelona that sort of feed off the, the football's um, profits and, and, and name and, and image and that. It's very much a, a basketball-focused, community-focused um, development-focused um, and giving back to the, the, the community in the game uh, model. That's uh, very unique and, and, a, and great to be part of. Yeah, it sounds like a excellent opportunity. Is the, um, is the club, uh, you know, like you said, they're looking to play at a higher level in terms of the EuroLeague and that sort of thing? Like where are they at in, in terms of their journey to, to those higher level leagues? When you look at the history of, of European basketball and the short history that Valencia basketball's had, it's it's one of the most successful clubs uh, to a point of, of, uh, of just under the Euro League. So it's a four-time Euro Cup, uh, which is the second-tier league, um, European League in, in Europe. And they've, on the back of winning those Euro Cups, have competed at a Euro League level as a non, non-licensed franchise so currently of the 18 franchises that play in the Euro League I believe it's 10 or 11 of the franchises have permanent licenses so they play every year in the Euro League irrelevant of their results in their local leagues and whatnot and the remaining teams qualify through either winning the Euro Cup winning or winning generally winning their local league uh, or, or coming at a, at a particular level within the, the, the bigger leagues such as Spain where the top four teams I think are eligible to play in the Euro League. The Euro right. League also has the challenge of you've got to meet other criteria around stadiums, facilities, uh, economics, commerce. It's becoming very much like the, the football where it's not just performance on the court, but it's the performance off the court of the club that, that warrants the opportunities to play. So with the new facility being built, the the discussions and, and the noise or narrative around the, the Valencia club is that it could actually become a permanent license holder and subsequently have a full-time EuroLeague franchise at the men's level. Yeah. Their women's team um, just in the last two years have gone from the second division in Spain. They won this. Last year came in the top four and are now currently doing very well at a Euro Cup level. So they're one of the unique franchises that have both men's and women's programs playing it at or very near to the pinnacle of uh, both their local competition and also at a European uh, on a European stage. 
All right. Okay. So there's big plans in place and, um, and things are, things are happening by the sounds of it. No doubt. It's, I, I think they, I, I would, would, would think on what I've heard and seen and, uh, understand I, I i'm limited in my spanish it's very much developing but my interpretations <laughs> of some of the articles i read or those that are done in english uh would tend to indicate the club is committed to, to setting up the the necessary infrastructure to to meet the standards that are required of a euro league team and then i think from that point onwards like any any franchise they they want to be as competitive as they can at a, a local spanish level they um three seasons now ago they they won um, the Spanish title, defeating Real Madrid uh, for the first time. That was their first championship ever. And when you look at the Spanish league uh, and you look at uh, you know, the Real Madrids and FC Barcelona's over history have won something like 60 to 70% of the, uh, the championships that have ever been played, you know, for, for a club like Valencia to win that and then continue to aspire to be at that level, uh, definitely shows a club that's ambitious and, and wanting to be the best both in Spain and then take that to the European uh, the European level of the game. Obviously, you probably get a chance to watch a fair bit of the the European basketball uh, from the you know the short media things that I've seen as well. Obviously, the atmosphere is just next level <laughs> as far as like the the passion of the fans and that sort of thing. Is it this is a bit of an eye opener for you as well now, or is it sort of just something you've come to expect? It's it's funny you. We, I've been lucky uh, going back to talking about my brother. You know, he played nine years in Italy, he played in the Italian league when it was very strong and they had teams that were, were competing at Euro, Euro League level and winning Euro League championships. So I was fortunate uh, at a young age um, and at a time when European basketball was, was, was sort of unheard of and not really known other than by, by diehard fans. And, and I got there and saw things and, experienced things that they were just phenomenal. It was just mind-blowing. And then uh, sort of being away from it for a while and then going back to it now and, and then having also seen the game at so many in so many other countries, be it NBA, college, the NBL, uh, state league levels in, in Australia and seeing all the wonderful experiences and environments you can be in. And there's no doubt that European basketball uh, is right up there in terms of the, the fan experience for the quality of the game. The engagement of the fans in the game, the passion of the, the, the fans in the game, be it right or wrong sometimes. Uh, but it definitely, as someone who sits there and is a, is a lover of the game, it's a, it's, a, it's a great experience and a great um, feeling to just sit there sometimes and take it all in. And that's the game itself and also the fans that, that, that share the, the highs and the lows with very, very passionately with the, with the team that they support. And I... And I I rank it in a similar level to what it's like from a Melbourne perspective, like being an AFL fan. People really attach themselves to, to it. It's, it's and there's history and there's passion and you know, most of the people that go to the game are season ticket holders. They're invested in this thing and they, and they demonstrate it um, through wins and losses. Um, they express it very, very passionately at the game. Yeah, you know, in Australia, we've, we've got a limited number of um, NBL teams. Do you still see that pathway into the European League is something that uh, young Australian players can can get into like at, at an early age or is it something that just tends to come a bit later with some of our players? Yeah, I, I think there is and, and this is something we've spoken about and I think if you look up to this point in time, there's no doubt that there's a growing awareness 
of Australian basketballers. Our quality of the players we are producing is world-class. Um, so the likes, you know, Valencia is just a snapshot. You know, Matt Nielsen, Brad Newley, AJ Ogilvie, and now Brad, Brock Modem, you know, have all played at the club. And, and again, this is where I think the club's a little different in its approach to how they go and recruit and the like. And I think they see the value in the quality of Australian players. Matt Nielsen's held in the highest regard to this day as the captain of their first, one of their first Euro Cup championships. Um, his, his, his singlet hangs in the in in the uh, the, the sort of Hall of Fame uh, section, uh, and he's still talked about to to this day. Um, in terms of it being seen as a pathway for players, there is the challenge around the way the game's structured and the limitations around imports. And, and in essence, you know, Australians are, are put in the same bracket as Americans. So unless a player has a European passport, which again, my brother had a European passport that opened a few more doors. Um, there have been some players had some really good success in recent times who, who even struggled to play at an NBL level because of limited opportunities and the like, who made, made good careers in Europe on the back of having dual passports. Yeah. So there's that avenue, but I think as time grows and who knows, as the game changes and maybe it becomes similar to the to the football or the soccer where, you know, the limitations around imports starts to lessen and, and it becomes open market across the world, I have no doubt that Australian players have the ability to play in Europe, have the ability to contribute at the highest levels of European basketball and hopefully we, we have an opportunity to see those players be given those opportunities and the rewards that come with it. And they're significant, they're significant rewards to play in Europe, especially mm. at the highest levels, um, that, that we get to see more of that both at a male level and, and to not disregard the female side of it. I mean, the females are already well ahead of the, the, the game in terms of their presence in and their recognition in Europe as, as key contributors to, to big franchises, to major championship winning teams and that. And again, I that's a, a really strong reflection of the Australian basketball pathways and the quality of the female players we're producing. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I, I wanted to ask you about while you're over there in the UK, you were head coach for the under 18, under 18 men's three-on-three three uh, team. So, uh, what was that experience like? And, and more particularly, I'm a bit keen to ask you how did how did that style of game improve those players? And and you know, being a coach of a of a three on three team, what was that like? So the opportunity presented very late in the piece. There's there's definitely a big push by FIBA, and FIBA's you know has a a, a very strong present in Europe, presence in Europe. So the, the, the program was put together quite quickly. It was a unique opportunity. It was something I really enjoyed because it, it is a different game. There, there's facets of it that are, that are very much uh, aligned to the five-on-five game. Uh, and it was interesting. It's, it's, in the time I had there, we, we picked players predominantly who hadn't made the five-on-five program, so hadn't made national teams. But then we also tried to broaden a little bit and look at different types of players. So probably players that were a little bit more physical because the game is a lot more physical. Players that were a bit more diverse in their skill set and their ability to, to play, defend, score in, in, a, in a multitude of ways because the game is, is just so fluid and, mm. and it's not traditional and it's quick and, and you just got to be on it because a small lapse in time can, can, can lose you the game quite quickly. Um, the, the, the setting of it is, is, was unbelievable. And then you see the settings of where they play the games and how they're able to, to put these things in, in squares and in, 
you know, world-renowned uh, locations. It's it's great. We were in Hungary, and it was in a smaller town, and that. But just, I remember sitting there during the game one night. It's this balmy, balmy evening in in Hungary, and yeah, the lights are on, and there was probably a thousand people there, and the stands were packed, and it's just a great, great viewing, and a great environment, and a great. Um, experience that even someone for all the experiences that I had, I, I had goosebumps about it. You know, it was just like, wow, this is pretty good. This is really, this is, this is what it's about. In terms of the coaching, it's, it's different in that you, you do a lot of prep time away in terms of with the players and that, and then the players pretty much coach themselves and, you know, you do your best to impart some sort of uh, advice and that from the stands and, and the like, but, you know, it's, it gives the players a lot of freedom and, and they're sort of left to their own devices for that sort of, you know, period of time that, that the game takes and uh, yeah, that was different. It meant you had to plan a bit more, you do a little bit more work and then you had to trust your players a little bit more to get the job done there and then. And um, so that was uh, different but but in but enlightening and, and I think the players enjoyed that aspect of it to be given a bit more freedom both in terms of the space they had, more opportunities to grab the ball and then more opportunities to have to deal with things on the fly by themselves. There wasn't a coach there. They weren't reverting back to the coach all the time. They learned and that I think helps with their maturity, their decision making, and their ability to problem solve. Yeah, for sure. And and I think too, there's nowhere to hide, is there? There's only no. three guys on the floor. Oh, you had to pick players who were ready, and we we were really fortunate. I, I think the game has the potential too for a place like the United Kingdom that doesn't have the infrastructure, doesn't have the history, doesn't have the money. That game, and I think you can put the Netherlands, and you're starting to see the countries that are succeeding in this. The UK has that ability because it has the types of players, the types of athletes, and the type of culture that inner urban um, street community that this game is, you know, sort of comes from, and, and also the type of people that it is that, that, that succeeded. It. I think the, the, the Great Britain has a great opportunity to to do well in it, um, and with where the game goes, I, I have no doubt the game will be like beach volleyball in five or 10 years time. And it'll just be a staple of, of the world sporting landscape and a, and a big part and a great opportunity for more basketball players to compete at, a, at, at Olympic and potentially world championship level. Yeah. And I guess one of the things uh, also that I've sort of noticed too, just looking at what you've done over a period of time, you've, you've been a QBL coach, you've coached uh, at Northside and, and with the Brisbane Capitals. And then you've also done, you know, a number of, Queensland teams and and also you know being involved in that ITC program top stuff uh, when you're running the Optimus program with the Bullets um, with Joey. So, uh, if, is that your like where would you say your uh, your preferred you know area to coach in? Is, is that in that youth area or is it more in the senior men's sort of program? It's a good question because over the the journey and we're, we're sort of coming up on twenty years that I've been involved in the game and. There's, yeah, it, it's it's ebbed and flowed. You know, I I love the, I love the challenge of being in a professional setting and working with the best athletes. Uh, but there's also the challenges of opportunity, uh, of sustainability, of uh, of normality of life that comes with with coaching at that level. Yep. I love the the aspect of developing players and and have a real passion around that transition from juniors to senior levels. But again, it comes back to where are the opportunities? Where you know, a lot of that, a lot of those work, and a lot of my 
most cherished experiences have been doing basketball roles that, that in them and themselves don't pay the bills. And when you're trying to be a professional coach, it's, it's hard to find that balance sometimes between what's going to pay you, what are you passionate about, and subsequently, I, I have been across a myriad of different levels, different roles, different scenarios, trying to find, you know, wh- where do I fit and, and how can I progress? And then sometimes those environments change and then they're out of your control. Clubs fold, money dries up. Um, you know, you reach a point that you feel you've got to take another step or you've got to improve. Um, so you, you, you make decisions. Right here and now, I, I'm excited about coach development. I'm excited about going probably back where I'm back to with the, the sort of transitional phase around junior to senior level, that similar to a US college system type thing. And that's that's one of the projects we're looking to establish is, a, is sort of an international prep academy based out of out of Valencia. So that's that's where my focuses are in that. But by all means, if, if an opportunity came to, to maybe come back to the NBL, to Australia and with where the league's going, it, it's an exciting time to be involved in the game. I love my time that I had in the game during that phase. And, and if that opportunity presented and it was the right thing for me and the right thing for my family now, because that's a definitely a dynamic that I've got to consider that I didn't have to consider for a large chunk of my career. Yeah. Um, that's That's got to be the right fit for us as well. So. Um, not sure if I answered your question, but that, that's a little <laughs> bit of insight to my thinking of, of, of where things, um, how I've approached things to this point in time. Yeah, and no doubt you'd be aware of NBL One North um, starting up in 2020. Um, have you got? Have you heard much about that? And, and what are your thoughts on, I guess, that rebranding of QBL to NBL One North and uh, what what that means for the league? Look, I I, I, I make a real effort to keep relevant in the game and, and connected to the game back home it's played a big part of my life and and i continue to to keep an eye on it stay connected with people watch uh watch feeds and streaming that when i can and, and check on stats and who's playing and how a team's going and that i love what's i love what's happening with the branding because i think it's increasing the awareness of the game outside of the basketball community and i think that's really important I think if you look at the NBL one and the benefits that it gained, the game didn't really change much. The teams didn't really change much. Some extra teams were added. I'm not exactly sure about the NBL one North, but my understanding is there may be a few less teams than, than what had been in the QBL. But I think what it's it's doing is it's 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 providing a neutral body that's raising the standards and challenging clubs to be better and challenging clubs to be better, not only in what they deliver on the court, but but how they present that and package that and then present it back out into the basketball community. And I think that's important. And I think the unity across the country now as it grows and as the NBL brand now starts to get into different levels and layers of the game in the basketball community, because again, we've got a great infrastructure here in this country, but I don't think it's always been unified and, and, and united in its fronts. And we've sort of had this sort of, bit of infighting within the game that, that I think has limited our ability some, at times to, to continue to pro- progress and uh, I, I, I like the way it's going. I like the direction that it's going and, and I think for the, Q, for the NBL North slash QBL, I think it's a positive move and, and I think some people have their, their, their say and their opinions. Uh, I think it's going to take the game to another level. It's going to raise the standards of everyone because I think Maybe there was a little bit of comfort 
in that level at QBL, even the Siebel level, about what the competition was and where it stood and a, and a feeling like it had reached its ceiling. And I think Larry, the MBL, and the branding of it is raising the ceiling and saying, come on, guys, let's go. Let's lift this thing to the next point. And I mm. think that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. You talked a little bit earlier about uh, some of the coach development type stuff that you want to work on. Is that are there sort of specific things you're looking at there, or is it a bit of bit of a range of everything, or or how how you're looking at you know what areas you're sort of talking about? So our first project that we we delivered, we we brought out uh, two two Spanish coaches. Uh, so we brought out uh, the, one of the current assistant coaches of the, the Valencia Basket Club men's team, and we brought out their current director of activities, who was a previous um, uh, Valencia Basket Club uh, assistant coach, Euro Cup champion. Both both coaches of coach teams had won Euro Cup championships, and 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 Juan Morato, who's the current assistant coach, also coached was part of the coaching staff that won the Spanish title that I talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, so we brought them out and we ran a series of, of free coaching clinics. So we ran eight eight coach and, and eight player or six players coaching clinics to expose players and coaches to the uh, European style of, of coaching and development and stuff. And uh, so you know, we had 700 uh, coaches and, and players attend a, a, our two-week tour. We focused on Melbourne initially just because of my connections and just the, the size of, of the, the playing population down here. But we do hope to, to have that tour and have a variety of different coaches coming out. Um, no different than what's been done before with US coaches and NBA coaches and assistant coaches and player development coaches and the like. But just uh, very rarely has it been done at a, at a European sort of uh, standing and a high level European standing. So it's definitely mm. something that, that the club saw great great benefit from it and, and, and support around it. And there's a growing interest from a number of coaches even back in, uh, in Europe about wanting to be part of the tour in the future. So coaching clinics in that manner. Uh, we're also looking at, at, at taking coaches from here in Australia and looking at uh, coach study tours uh, and linking it in through the connections that we, we have over there into some of the highest levels of teams, um, both at a, at a senior and a junior level, which I think is really important. And I, I think it's great what's, again, what's been done and not to downplay what's been done in the past. But I think the, the ability to go to Europe and, and have a, a range of relevance for coaches to go and see pros and see the best and, 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 and elite coaches and elite players working, but also see elite coaches working with elite junior players right down to, to some of the youngest age brackets, down to the participation levels, down to the introductory levels and how they approach it in Europe, I, I think is a great opportunity. And we have some really exciting connections uh, that have been developed with some of the you know, some of the biggest clubs in, in Europe that are opening their doors and will provide opportunities for coaches to, to, to come in um, to see what they do, how they do it both on and off the court. Also look to, to provide opportunities for, for, for coaching directors, for administrators and the like to come in and see how clubs market, how, how they do behind the scenes uh, aspects of it, to watch games, to see training sessions and then also experience the, the wonderful thing, the wonderful opportunities that these European cities have and, and to provide them with a diverse amount because Europe's such a diverse country. It's very compact, it's very close, but the, the cultures and the approaches can be very, very different and all in the space of a, of a two-hour flight. And then finally, the last thing we're looking at doing is is centred around um, something, again, it's, it's done. We're not trying to recreate the wheel, we're just trying to do it a little different and that's to, um, to provide some more online information for coaches with a real target around that, that, that domestic club 
level that that skills you know going back to what i talk about the foundations of the game about skill development about the types of things are gonna that we do with our kids between the ages of five and and, and 12 that, that make the real difference you know the better players who succeed in the game have had good grounding at a, at a young age so we're we're here to support and from an Australian standpoint deliver deliver something that supports the, the, the volunteers the vast number of volunteers and this was something that blew the Spanish coaches away when they were here that of all the coaches that attended the clinics 99% of them did this for the love of it didn't do it for any pay yeah. and it aligns with their desire to give back to the game by providing a an accessible affordable means of, of coaches being able to access resources that's relevant to their level of coaching and relevant to the greater level of, of participants in the game of basketball. So we're really excited about that and, and delivering in a, in a delivering the content and the manner in which we de- deliver it and, and the affordability around it that, that we can have, you know, no, no one not say, oh, that's too expensive. It's something that everyone can, can gain access to and, and, and reap the benefits from. Yeah, no, it sounds like really exciting stuff. Is that something that if some like a Australian uh, coach would be interested in? Is that something that they can contact you and find out more about, or is it how so do we, people get involved? We will, we will offer it at a at an individual level. Our, our key focus is to go to clubs and to say to clubs, and I'm talking about domestic clubs. I'm talking about rep programs. Yep, and and come to them and approach them and say, look, let let let's. Let's try and not do the sell at the individual level. Let's go to the club and say, look, let's, let's package up something. Here's something for your 20, 30, 40 coaches in your program. For them, it's, it's affordable. It's a small investment that you put back into them for, for a quarter of the cost that it costs to send someone to a level one coaching course. We can give you a resource that's for a year that, that's, that's ongoing, that's relevant, that changes, that's delivered in different formats from two-hour clinics to five-minute videos, to opportunities to, to, to meet and talk to coaches in webinars, it's open sessions to have some forum type things, to have coaches come out to here, to take coaches back over uh, to Europe. So it's, it's a multitude of different levels, a multitude of different delivery formats centered around the clubs and working with clubs to, to support them and provide them a resource. Because you often hear about you know, clubs wanting to do things like this, going, oh, we need to get videos and we even state bodies, national bodies wanting to do things. And it's done in small parts, but it, it's time consuming. And the beauty we've got in Valencia is we've got the players are there, the facilities are there, and then the resources are there. They've, they've got a marketing and media department. They've got all the equipment because they have to have all these things for their professional team. And the club is committed to supplying those people to help us deliver something that's world-class um, and, and, and for the benefit of, of, of everyone out there and, and seeing what they do. And they're willing to open their doors and share it with everybody, which is, which is just unbelievable. And I feel very pr- privileged and honoured for them to uh, open, open, their idea, open their minds to my ideas and for them then to, to embrace that and now you know, open that out to, to everyone uh, across the globe. And I look forward to the opportunity to helping facilitate it and, and, and making it a reality. Yeah, no, it sounds like uh, really exciting stuff you're working on. You're over here in Australia at the moment, uh, down in Melbourne and catching up with family. How good is that just to be able to reconnect and experience that 40 degree Melbourne weather? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a little rarer than, yeah, you hit me on the day that it has. We won't talk about the last seven or eight days where 
uh, we, we were dressed in warmer clothes than we were in Spain when we left uh, in the middle of winter. So uh, it's, it's, it's really important to me. My, my family's important to me and, and even more so now with two young children. Uh, I, I'm late to the, to the fatherhood and, and to, the, to being a husband than, than some people because of what I've done in the past and what I've dedicated to, to basketball and, and to, to my craft. And uh, I, I don't regret that. I love now the opportunity I have to be a father and, and that continue to still find the balance and find um, uh, my, my coaching place and my coaching opportunities. Um, but it's great to, to bring my kids home because one of the challenges of all the wonderful things that come with living in Spain and, and living overseas and doing what I'm passionate about is that we don't see our, our parents often. And that's me and my wife. My, we don't see our nieces and nephews. They don't get to see my kids. Uh, and they've made great efforts to come over and, and visit us and the, and, and the like, which has been great. But it's, it's nice to come home. It's, you know, this, is, this is a great country to live in. You, you, you recognize how privileged you are when you live in other countries. And, and Spain's a great place. Australia is, is fantastic. And, and even the Spanish say, you know, why are you here? You come from paradise is, is what they commonly say to me. And uh, we're very fortunate. We're enjoying that ride and, and what's happening in life. But we also enjoy the, the, the opportunities to come back and remember where it all started. And, and you know, my parents were a big part of my opportunities in the game and supported me throughout it all. And it's great to be able to come back and, and share these special times and special times of the year with them uh, as we're doing right now. Yeah. So it's always good to catch up with you when you're back too. So um, with what's happening in the future, it sounds like you're going to have your uh, your hands full in terms of all those programs you've got on, on the go, plus the young family. So I just wanted to wish you all the very best for, for all those projects and, and uh, things you're working on. Like, you're one of the coaches who's very committed and got a, a great work ethic, which I've picked up myself. Um, you know, taking a few things out of your your toolkit and use it myself. Um, and I think that's one of the things about doing this podcast. It's an opportunity to to learn and share and and just you know contribute to the bigger community. No doubt, and and. and I appreciate the opportunity to, 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 to give back to the game where I can, uh, both in, 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 in talking with you and sharing my experiences uh, and sharing a little bit of an insight to what we're, we're doing. And um, I, I also appreciate the people that have helped me and uh, as small as it may seem, you know, your, your time working together as an assistant coach in, in genuinely one of the best experiences and times that I had with that team. We had it under 20s going to nationals and, um, despite all the challenges with injuries, despite all the challenges with with players not being allowed to play, um, you know we 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 took it to the VIX, uh, and, and it took a phenomenal effort by some players. Now it's it's such a privilege to watch Mitch Creek um, and Anthony Drimmick uh, and Mitch McCarran and Mitch Norton now do what they do and, and know that you played a part and you, and you shared some special moments with them and can reconnect with them and. Um, the last time we were here in June, July, you know, to be able to ring, to ring Mitch, Mitch McCarran, to ring Macker up and for him to still find the time to, to grab a coffee, to chat, to talk of those times, to talk of our experiences dating right back to, you know, and I, his dad was, uh, Don was, was, was my first boss in the game. And um, it's nice to know that those people see, see you as a friend and see you as more as a coach and that's I think when you know you've, you've had an impact and yeah when people like yourself you know want to want to speak to me and, and value the time we had and, and want to reconnect it's 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 a real honor and a 
yeah, humbling experience to uh, to have people do that and say the things that they say. And uh, I hope that I can give something back and, and really excited about what we're doing with, yeah, with Valencia Basket Club, with the assist basketball, about giving back to the game and continuing my involvement in it. Yeah, yeah, and I'll I'll put a link in the um in the web in the notes to to assist basketball, and um, hopefully people can go in there and, and have a look at what you're doing and, and find out more. Yeah, for sure. We've got we've got a website, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. I'm a I'm a one stop shop at the moment. I I do it all. It's it's a space that's uh, it's new to me um, in terms of actually managing it. Uh, I I'm getting better at it and. My, my skill sets are, are evolving in that area, so just like my Spanish is as well. So it's, it's a developing, it's a work in progress, but uh, be, bear, bear with me. We've got some stuff up there. You can get a bit of insight to what we did and a bit of an understanding of what we've done in the past. Um, we've got information out there and I, I'm happy to, to provide some links. We, we've got, we did a video of the, um, of the, of the coaches clinic we did out here in, in Melbourne and that, that, that is accessible. Um, we've made we've made that accessible for free. In the in the first instances, we're really big on wanting to give give to the game first, to build trust, to build a belief about what we're doing, and that. So there there is some information there, and the feedback we had was phenomenal. And appreciate any forum or any platform that I can can spread that information out to as many coaches as possible to help them. Because um, I was one of those coaches once, and we didn't have the internet. We didn't have. Um, you know, the, 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 the platforms we have these days. But what I did have was people willing to give up of their time and that's what I'm, I'm trying to now follow on and, and continue that tradition and uh, very fortunate going back to my, my first sort of comments around who, who I was. I, I had some unbelievable people. Yeah, very, very fortunate. Ken Watson, Lindsay Gaze, Brett Brown, and, and all those coaches I spoke of earlier. And it's, yeah, I feel like it's my my responsibility to hold their torch and, and continue the tradition of, of Australian basketball and Australian coaches giving back to the game and developing the next generation of uh, people. Yeah, that's awesome. Another Australian basketball coach out there getting it done. So, um, well done, mate. And like I said, all the very best for the future. We'll, we'll no doubt catch up again. Uh, might even try to... Um, do that sort of a roving walk through through Spain one day, and we'll. No, I'd love, love to show the facilities. It's 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 phenomenal what we have, and what I have, you know, what I get to, to, to call an office every day. And no, I'm more than happy to, to stay in touch to keep keep the listeners updated with our, our progress. Hopefully, for them to the opportunity to, to see it firsthand, but definitely uh, keep uh, keep people up to date with what we're doing, and, and and give as many people access to it as as possible. Be it a player, a coach, an administrator. Or, anyone who's just passionate about the game yeah nice all right mate well uh, all the best we'll talk again soon thanks Ant. thanks for the time and uh, all the best with the podcast and congrats on what you're doing i think i think it's fantastic and uh, a, a worthy cause and, and, and a really valuable thing to uh, to be putting out there so so congrats on what you're doing in uh, uh, with with the podcast thanks mate appreciate that all the best Hasta logo, hasta uh, logo, and, uh, and that's my that's my Spanish for the night. So that, that's goodbye. Till next time. Nice, thanks, mate. Take care. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail That's Australian Basketball Coach, all one word, lowercase at gmail Also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Oz Coach and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening.